there. Um, you know, uh, Robin and I have been married last Sunday. We've, we uh, celebrated our 23rd anniversary. And when I think about the year, thanks, yeah, thanks. Um, when I think about the last uh, 23 years, we've had uh, times that we've just laughed so hard. I've got to be careful with some of these stories. But um, uh, early in our marriage, uh, it was our first year, and, um, and uh, we lived in our little house in Ada. I was the youth minister at First Baptist Ada. And, and our, our, uh, our bedroom would get really, really dark when we'd go to bed at night. And so one night I, I turned the light off at the fan. And, uh, and I went to the covers and just kind of fluffed them, but then I dove into the bed at Robin's feet, and she had no clue. Now, I didn't really think this through um, uh, in advance. I, just, I was just in a goofy mood. And, and so, you know, you have that 20 seconds of just, like, silence when you're like, ah, we're going to go to bed. And Robin's foot was right in front of my face. And in that, right after about 20 seconds, I just go like this with her big toe. I go, like that, and she flipped out, and um, I'm so thankful she didn't kick me in the face, but, um, but it was just so funny, and, um, and she just screamed, and, and we laughed for about an hour after that. We just could not go to sleep. We laughed. I, I just think about some of those times. Uh, you know, in that journey of 23 years, we've also had some challenges. You know, 16 years ago, I know this because uh, Eric, who our son, who sang that song just a second ago, uh, was one. Emily was two, or three. Emily was three. And there's a series of pictures in our family albums where I'm noticeably absent. And during that time, here I was a pastor, I was a minister, I was a youth pastor in Oklahoma City. At, and man, things in our ministry were amazing. I mean, they were. We had just done an event a few months before where. 165 people had come to know Christ, and ministry was just going amazing. Um, but I was in pursuit of a career, and I was neglecting my family. And you know, church, in church, I want you to know this, in church, we're supposed to be in each, be in each other's business. I know there's a trend in church today to be anonymous and come in and not know one another, but that's not church. Don't, don't settle for that. People were in my business, and there was a guy in my life that was on my staff, on staff together, and, and he comes to my office, and he says, Chris, can, can, I, can I talk to you? You have time. I go, I go, yeah, man, I got some time. He goes, no, I need to come to your house. I was like, okay. Um, and so he comes to my house, walks in the door, sits on my couch. Jay McSwain was his name, and Jay said, I want Robin to be there, and, and Robin's there, and we're like, hey, what's up, man? And he goes, well, hey, I, I came by today because I want you to know that your wife is hurting and you don't have a clue. And I just want to say to you in front of her that you're not going to have a marriage or a ministry in five years if you don't stop what you're doing. Okay, thanks for letting me come by. And he gets up and leaves. And I'm thinking, you punk, because I look over and my wife's crying and, and I'm like, and he just walks out. He goes, see you tomorrow in church. I was like, Okay, yeah, I'll see ya. And left Rob and I to just deal with that. But you know, that began a journey of I went here I was preaching weddings. Um, you know, golly, our ministry's going great and um, but I went to a counselor. I mean, I'm um that was humbling. 
you know what? I needed help. It didn't matter what my position was. I needed help, and, and, and I went and got help. I, 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 I had some men in my life, in our church, laymen, who, who started meeting with me and were holding me accountable for the way I lived my life, the way I treated my wife, the way I was treating my children. And I'm so grateful that my children don't remember those days. You know, because I, I, I repented of that. And thankfully, Robin was patient with me. And, you know, uh, marriage is full of ups and downs. Now, over the next eight weeks, we're going to hover over two passages of Scripture. Mark chapter 10, 1 through 12, and Matthew 19, 1 through 12. Today, we're in Mark chapter 10. I want you to look at that. Those are two instances where Jesus describes the same story. Now, uh, normally, we break down a verse and go verse by verse, and, but, but what we're going to do is we're going to hover over these two passages over the next eight weeks. We're going we're gonna to deal with some important things. We're going to deal with what is, a, uh, what is a biblical ground for divorce in a couple of weeks. You know, we're going to deal with what, uh, what is God's intention with marriage. And, and, and you know, I, I want you to know this is a series for married people. If you're married today... Uh, and you are past that honeymoon stage, and you're working through the, the fiery trials of marriage and, and learning to forgive one another, and learning to work through um, the, the, the real choice of marriage, this, this is going to be a, an important eight weeks for you. But can I tell you, this is also a, a series for unmarried people. You know, um, I am brokenhearted. I've been brokenhearted this week over uh, many in our church. Even the, the title of this series is, is heart-wrenching because there are, there are some of us in, in this room and it's going to hear this message today that, that you know what it's like not to be chosen. You know what it's like to want to be chosen by your spouse, but you watch them choose someone or something else over you. And, and maybe you're here today and, and you're like, golly, I don't want to come to this because I am brokenhearted today and I, I don't want to confront this passage of Scripture and I don't want to hover over this for eight weeks. But, but can I tell you how important this is for you? Because um, if you're hurting today, can I just tell you you're not going to hurt forever? That, that, that God will heal you, like, like we heard last week in this incredible message that I hope you go back and listen to if you weren't here last week uh, with Dr. Whitlock from OBU, uh, that God sees you and God he hears your prayers and you will not hurt like you hurt today and, and you will heal. And, and you know what? You might even love again and be experience a marriage again. And it's important if that is something God does in your life that you recognize and understand God's intention for marriage. And so this is a series for you too. And so can I, can I challenge you, kind of like, even if you're hurting today, it's kind of like when you go to the doctor. I never had knee surgery, but I, I know those folks that have. And, and when they have knee surgery, what does the doctor say? Hey, get that moving. Get that moving. Get, work that out. And, and in many ways for you, this is a little bit like physical therapy. 
Because you're coming and saying, okay, i got to work this out. I can't avoid the pain. I can't isolate myself. That's no good. I need God's people. I need God's word, and God's going to use it in your life. Maybe you're a widow or a widower. And, you know, we have, so, we have so many in our church who have set the example for us for faithfulness for a lifetime, and, and their spouse has gone to be with the Lord. And this is a tough series because they're like, oh, man, I'm, I hurt for that. I want to thank you for setting the example. Many of you who I stopped, one of our ladies who I preached her husband's service uh, just a few months ago, and I just said to her, thank you. Thank you for showing us what faithfulness looks like. Thank you for teaching me as your pastor what it looks like to be faithful to your husband." And, and, and I want you to know, the, the pain that you feel, even as we dive into this passage, can I tell you, it's temporary. And gonna, there's going to be a day when we're all in heaven, and we're going to be like, you're going to be so grateful. Way to go. If you're a teenager today or a young adult, this series is for you because it is desperate for our teenagers and for our young adults to have a, a vision for what a godly marriage looks like, what God's intention is for marriage. So would you stand with me? Let's dive into this. Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 12, and it says this. And he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, what, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two will become one flesh so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. In the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter, and he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And this is the word of the Lord. I think you may be seated. Now, now, over the next eight weeks, we're going to unpack all of this. And we're going we're gonna to hover over this. And we're going to be dealing with some, some very important questions. We're not going to do it all today. So uh, understand that. But, but it's surprising to think about how human nature hasn't changed much over time. Because when I look at, at this passage, in, in, in Jesus' time, people were looking for the easy way out. And they were looking for, hey, how can I just get out of this? And, 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 and even in the time of Christ, this, this idea of marriage being a covenant, marriage being a choice that you made was, was really, um, you know, struggling. People were struggling with it. And, and, and you know, Jesus in this setting is, is being confronted by these teachers. They were trying to trick him, really, and, and every... Both Matthew's account and Mark's account. Matthew gives a little more detail that we'll look at next week. But, but, but you know, uh, they're trying to trick him. They're trying to, to uh, sucker him into a, a response here. And we're going to look at that here in a second. But, um, 
But it's interesting that the consumer mindset of marriage was prevalent even back in Jesus' day. And here's what I mean by this consumer mindset. In, in our day right now, many people see marriage in this consumeristic way. There's a book that you've got to get. It's a book called The Meaning of Marriage by a, guy, by a pastor named Tim Keller. It is a phenomenal book. Uh, wherever you are in your life, single, married, uh, this is a good one to get. And I would challenge you to read it as a couple. Uh, it's a, it, Robin and I have both read it. We, it it's, a, uh, it's a tremendous read, one you should get. Um, it, it's driven me in a lot of ways. I, I've, I've, you're going to hear, if you read that book, you're going to go, oh, Chris read that book when he preached these sermons, and you're exactly right, because it's incredible. But, but what, what the Scripture talks about when it comes to marriage is not this consumer relationship. Like, think about a consumer relationship. Now, all of us have preferences of the grocery stores that we shop at in Owasso, right? You know, there's some grocery stores you're like, oh, I just don't like that store, so I'm not going to go there. I mean, I mean, uh, there, there's a restaurant that I just, in town, and I just don't like it. It's not because I, I've had good service at this one, but it seems like multiple times uh, I've gone to this certain restaurant and in other places as a chain, and I, I just have gotten in my mind, I don't like that restaurant. So I don't like to go. I don't ever go unless Robin says, can we please go there? And I'll go, yes, okay. but I don't like it. Um, but, but, you know, it's because I've had this bad consumer experience, so I choose to go somewhere else. Well, some marriage, is ha- marriage has that mentality in our culture. Oh, you, don't know, you no longer meet my needs. You, I don't, I don't, I've, grown, I've fallen out of love with you. I, I tell, we tell couples when we meet with them, don't ever let us hear you say, I've fallen out of love. Because if, if we ever hear you say that, I'm going to look at you and say, you're a liar. You, you, that, that, don't say that. Because love is not something you fall in and out of and stumble in and out of. Love is a choice that you make. So I want you to understand the title for this message has been brewing in our hearts ever since I went to counseling and was taught and recognize the value of choosing Robin and Robin choosing me. Now, um, in this passage, Mark is describing this event that, that these disciples came to. Now, point number one that I want us to see today is that marriage is God's idea. I mean, marriage was God's plan from the beginning. I mean, God created, and what Jesus did miraculously goes back to, the, to Genesis 1. Genesis says, look, God made them male and female. I mean, God created Adam and Eve, and, and we see this as the very beginning. Now, what do we know about Jesus? Um, Jesus was God in the flesh. We, we, we just sang that incredible song, I believe in God the Father and Christ the Son. Jesus was God in the flesh. I mean, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, three in one, and, and this is who Jesus was, and, and, and when, he, when he entered human history in this miraculous way, and he, and he grew up, and he, and, he, and he taught, people that would hear him teach would say, man, Jesus, you teach like one with authority, and, and, and so we see that Jesus was God in the flesh, and notice verse one here in Mark, Mark 10, and he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And again, was, as was, was his custom, he taught them, because people would hear Jesus teach, and they would gather and say, we got to hear what this guy says. 
I mean, Jesus was God in the flesh. Now, now we, we see all kinds of passages that point to the, the teaching ministry of Jesus and why crowds gathered. Matthew 7, 28 and 29, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it says, when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So Jesus had authority when he, t- when he taught. Now, when it comes to Jesus' instruction on marriage, Jesus speaks with authority on marriage. Because he was God, we should pay attention to what he speaks about marriage. And, and you might say, well, and I've heard people say, well, why should we pay attention to Jesus on, on marriage? Because he was, never, he was never married. I mean, he, he wasn't. He never got married. But let me tell you something. Jesus was there when Adam and Eve were created. He's an authority. And don't you think it's important that we wrestle with and understand what Jesus thinks about marriage? Yes. Now look at verse 2. And the Pharisees came up in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And he answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. So they're they're trying to trick him. They're trying to, um, to, to mess with Jesus, trying to pin him down. Now, point number two is what Jesus does here. Jesus reformed this consumeristic view of marriage. And, and I pray that God does that for us too. It's time to reform this view. It's time to re- let God reshape this. Let the, the heart of Jesus change our mind. And, and I'll tell you, without apology, we are a church that has made the decision that, God, when you speak about something, we are going to change to your view. When, 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 we, uh, when you speak on something, if we have opinions that are contrary to your view, we are compelled to change our mind to the view of Christ. And that's who we are. And believe me, that's who we must be, a people that are submitting to the voice of God. Now, we live in a culture that doesn't like to submit. We like to go our own way. Now, that's a human struggle that has existed from the very beginning of time. So it's nothing new. But these Pharisees approach Jesus about this question. And and really, the the summary of this, they they are, to give you some historical background, they are... um, there was a lot of debate on marriage at this time. And basically, they were going back to Deuteronomy 24.1, where Moses does this. It says this in Deuteronomy 24.1, When a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, and writes her a certificate of divorce, and puts it in her hands and sends her out of his house, then she departs out of his house. That's the debate. That's, they were going back to Moses saying, hey, look, Moses allowed this. And, and so, Jesus, where do you stand? Right now, at this time, when the, uh, the Pharisees approached Jesus, there were two schools of thought. There were two rabbis that had two different views of this passage. Uh, Rabbi Shammai took a strict view, and, and, and he said only this indecency, some indecency, was, was, was sexual unfaithfulness. And Rabbi Shammai was, was a strict Pharisee, and he said, look, that's the only way. Divorce is only permissible. Indecency means sexual affair. You can divorce. 
But there was another guy, Rabbi Hillel, who, who kind of meant anything. I mean, if, 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 a, if a wife burnt the bacon, then she could, he could divorce him. I'm just kidding. They didn't eat bacon. But uh, weren't they missing out? You know, see if you caught that. But, uh, but they would come up with any reason. Hey, you just displeased me, so I'm going to divorce you. And, and that was one of those schools of thought. They were, so, so divorce was rampant. People were like, yeah, you know what, I don't like you. I like, I like Shammai's interpretation better. And so there was all this division, and they were trying to pin Jesus down here. And this was the cultural view of marriage that was struggling. Well, well think about our culture. Think about what, what our, the growing ideas in our culture about marriage. Uh, and, and it's time to reform this idea. I just threw out a couple, like the cultural view of marriage, like this cohabitation idea. That's one of our cultural views of marriage, that, that our kids are growing up going, you know what, let's try this out for a while. Let's, we don't need a piece of paper to tell us that, that we're married. I love what Tim Keller says about this. He, he, he says that, that the essence of marriage is this contract. And, and I hear this all the time. I don't need a piece of paper to, to show that I love you. And, 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 you know, what people are saying is, look, it's my passion that's important, not a piece of paper. But let me tell you something. Passion is fleeting. Like, for example, I remember, remember the first time I held Robin's hand. It was on our, it was our wedding night. It was awesome. I'm just kidding. My daughter's there. I was just trying to. <laughs> I couldn't keep her away from me. It was like first date. Sorry. She, she just couldn't stay away from me. I, I kept telling her I'm not an object, but she kept saying that. But, um. Uh, but, but the first time I held her hand, you know, my stomach hurt. I was like, ooh, ooh, I'm holding her hand. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, the other night, we're walking to a restaurant, and Robin's like, hey, let's hold hands. Okay, cool. We held hands walking into the restaurant, but my stomach didn't hurt. I didn't feel that... Uh, I couldn't think, there's some creative, funny pastoral statement, but I can't remember it. But my stomach didn't hurt. And, and I was like, you know, but when I think about my love for her today versus when I got a quiver in my liver, that's it, you know, a quiver in my liver. Um, my love for her today is so much deeper. It's, it's, it's got, like back then, I didn't even know her. When I held her hand, I was just getting to know her. But now we've been through the birth of three children. We've cried together. We have forgiven one another. We have worked through things together. The, the depth of our relationship doesn't even compare. And so see, we, we live in this culture that sees marriage as, oh, it's just passion. Passion goes up and down. But this, this contract that I have with her, that actually makes my, my relationship with her much more intimate because I've committed to her. And studies show that, that cohabitation, that, that doesn't make, that, that's actually damaging to marriages. 
you know, our culture view needs to change with this. This, this idea of open marriages, you see this all the time, of, of, hey, you know, let's be open in our marriage. We can have sexual relationships with, with other people, and we don't, we, we don't need that. And let's just be open. And, and, and see, that's, that's, a, that's a false idea that, that sex is, this, is this, this human act that has the power of creating human life. Think about this. I mean, so, so there's a reason that God created the most sacred relationship known to mankind, which is marriage, for that to, to be an act of unity, an act of bonding with one another. And so we, we, this, this open marriage, these apps that are all over the place of people going to hook up, this hookup culture that we have, you know, that's a, that's a false cultural misunderstanding of God's intention for marriage. This, this idea of, of the soulmate marriage. Oh, you know, e-harmony, I'm looking for my soulmate. You know, this Disney idea of, oh, there's one person out there that's going to be your soulmate. And can I tell you what marriage is? Marriage is two selfish people coming together, and now they can't hide their selfishness because they live together. And they're broken. And see, marriages are built and you build a marriage, and, and you don't actually stumble onto a marriage. And, and, and can I tell you, this whole idea of there's some soulmate out there, no, there is a person that you, yeah, you're attracted to, you, you, you choose to love, but, but then you grow old together. I mean, I, we, when I filmed that video, there was one time I bent down, and I'm like, I got a bald spot, I mean, that I didn't have before, you know? And it's, it's increasing, and so I told my, my son, hey, you better find a wife before your hair falls out because <laughs> suck it up, man. You better hurry up. But, but you know what? This soulmate, that's, that's, that's kind of ridiculous. That, that you build a life together. And, and even a lost world gets this. Like not too long ago, uh, we went on a cruise, and, and, you know, we're in that meeting where they give you all this information, and, and they say, okay, who's celebrating their wedding honeymoon? And people stand up, okay, okay, how many, how many okay, who's, who's celebrating the anniversary? And, oh, 10 years or four years or two years. And then there was one couple that, and everybody's like, okay, okay, okay. Then there was a couple that 65 years and the crowd, lost crowd, was like 65. Whoa, the whole place, standing ovation. Even a lost world gets this, that this, this marriage that is, is, is really a covenant, this, this you know, choosing one another for a lifetime, uh, this, this whole idea of in our culture, a, a sexual satisfying marriage, that, that as long as, as I'm sexually satisfied, that, that that's going to be, uh, then I'll stay with you. As long as you're, you look good, as long as you're pleasing to the eye to me, and, and there's that, that consumeristic culture that we live in. But see, marriage that God created is one that grows old together. One that loves one another through every stage of life. There's that, our culture, that me marriage. That, and and that, it's all about me. And can I tell you that, that, that marriage vows, just the nature of those vows are, I take you to be my wife. 
like Chad said earlier, richer for poorer, sickness and in health. No matter what, I'm going to choose to stay with you. I choose your worse. I choose your struggles. I choose to be with you. And see, that's what the biblical view of marriage is. And so we've got to reject this cultural view that, that is so prevalent. And, and that's what Jesus is saying here in this passage. He's, he's looking at these Pharisees and he's like, guys, you've totally missed it. It's because of the hardness of your heart that Moses allowed this. And see, the, the biblical record, I mean, people um, dog the, the Bible and say, well, you know, you know, all these bad things are in the Bible, and, and, and they are. The Bible is a record of brokenness, of God putting people's lives back together. And that's the beauty of God's Word. Because, uh, you know, what breaks my heart is that you would think that, oh, because we're Christians, because we turn our face to the Word of God, that, that our marriages are different. But no. Divorce of believers is just as rampant in, in, as divorce in a lost, unbelieving world. And folks, we've got to rediscover God's intention for marriage. And so point number three, what does he do here? Jesus reestablished, and, and look at this, the covenant of marriage. The marriage is a covenant. Marriage is this, this covenant that we make together. And, and what is a covenant? A covenant requires me to adapt through every change. I mean, Robin and I have changed over the years. And I hear people say this all the time. Well, well he has changed or, or she has changed. And let me tell you something. Change is inevitable. Change is going to happen. You will not, I am not the same person I was when I married her at 23 years old. And, and the bottom line is, you were going to change. You will change. And so the, the, the choice of marriage, the power of marriage is that you change together. You adapt to those changes. You know, and that's what a covenant is. A covenant causes me to put the needs of my spouse above my needs. It's not about my selfishness. It's about my selflessness. And this is something I pray we understand, that, that marriage is a covenant. Marriage is this, is this choice that I make that I'm not going to live for myself. I'm going to sacrifice for my spouse, and I'm going to give up for my spouse, and I'm, I'm gonna even going to go through difficulties with my spouse. And that's, that's the covenant of marriage. A, a covenant embraces God's expectations. And can I tell you something? That if you stood before God and, for, and before other people, God expects you to keep your vows. I mean, I don't know why we've gotten away from this idea that, that there are things that God expects from us. And, and I've heard men that have stood next to me and said, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to disobey God's voice. And you know what? God will forgive me. I'll tell you what, that is a dangerous, dangerous spot to be. Because God disciplines those he loves. Don't ever, don't ever miss that. To, to look in the face of God and say, God, I'm going to rebel against your voice. I know what you say, and I'm just not going to do what you say. Boy, that is dangerous ground. All through Scripture, you see men that have done that, and what has happened? They faced the difficult consequences. I mean, I'll tell you what, yesterday, 
uh, we were at Calvary, and, I, and I'll tell you, we had this block party, and, and, and it was incredible, and hundreds of people came. We had 175, I think, guests that walked the walk through there, and, and every, every bit was worth it. It was awesome, and, and there was a man. The needs are great. I'll tell you what, the needs are great, and, and, and there, were, there was a man at the end of our time that had come up, and uh, he was drunk, and uh, I sat next to him. I said, Bob, how can I pray for you? And, and you know what he did? He just came over and sat on the side, and he just was wondering, I wonder if anybody would notice me. And, and, and he said, I, I can't believe you all noticed me. He just wanted to be noticed. He didn't ask me for any money. He didn't ask me for anything. He was broken. You know what he said? I said, Bob, obviously, I just called it out. Are you an alcoholic? Yes. I've, I've, I've really messed up. He goes, I wish I would have listened to people in my life. If only I would have listened to them. And I'll tell you what, I was sitting there going, you know what, man? That was, that's wise. Now go do something about it. I mean, we challenged him. I hope he came today. I told him he could bring his dog if he comes. And so I told our folks at Calvary, hey, if a dog comes in, just let him in, okay? Because I told Bob he could bring his dog. Um, I figured, hey, man, whatever. It would be awesome. But, uh, but folks, God expects you to keep your vows. I've met countless people who have said, I knew what God wanted me to do and I didn't do it and I wish I would have. I've never met anybody that has said, I, I did what God wanted me to do and I, I regret it. You know what Tim Keller said in his book? He said that, that two-thirds of couples who were unhappy in their marriage if they stayed married, two-thirds of them would be happy in five years. And so, you know what? we got to keep our vows. And, and can I tell you, there have been times that Robin has said, oh my goodness, I'm married to him. I can't believe it. I am married. That happened in our first year. I can tell you the moment our honeymoon ended. I'm not going to right now, but it was a moment. And, and I'll tell you, there... There is a, an expectation from God to keep our vows. A covenant embraces God's expectation. A covenant is built on the power of choosing one another. Can I tell you, there's power in the fact that you choose one another? You know, Dr. Whitlock said last week something. You've got to go back and listen to it. He, he said something that was accurate, that when it comes to the responsibility in marriage, a lot of the responsibility falls on the husbands. Men, we got a lot of responsibility, and we better embrace it. Like Ephesians 5 says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, it's weird for me because, you know, I, I, the, the Bible calls us as the church the, the bride. We are the bride of Christ. It's difficult for me to relate to that, honestly. All through my life, it's like, ah, I don't like wearing dresses. You know, it's difficult for me to, to, to see that. But, but the Bible calls us as the church the bride of Christ. And, and it calls Jesus, God, the bridegroom. 
And, and, he, and he says, look, look what the bridegroom has done for us. Look at what Jesus has done for us. He, he sacrificed for us. He came and died for us. He provided the way to eternal life for us. He has forgiven us. And, and, and when I think about that verse in Ephesians 5, that I'm to love my wife like Christ loved the church, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. I'm still trying to embrace what that means. Amen? I'm telling you, we, we better step up. We're called to sacrifice for our wives. We're to offer forgiveness to our wives. We're to never give up on our wives. We are to provide for our wives. We're to cherish them. And, and, and I'll tell you, a husband that does well will motivate his wife to follow him. Even though I know men in our church who have tried that and their wives have said, you know what, I'm going, I've got a consumer mindset and they've walked away. I'm telling you, God's going to, God will, God, will, God will bless you. Hang in there if that's you. But, but men, we got to step up here. I've seen this. I've seen this flesh out in front of me. You know, um, several years ago, we're going to end, I'm going to end with this because we're, we're out of time, I think. But um, a year ago, less than a year ago, I think, it was a Sunday evening. I mean, I was done. I'd preached, I think, four times that day. Um, and um, I had a meeting that day as well. And, and I was so tired. I get home that Sunday night, and I, 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 I literally had just warmed up my dinner. And I was like, ah, oh, man, long day. My phone rang. It was a man in our church named John Potter. John I had recognized he and Norma, they were sitting right back there, on their 70th wedding anniversary, just a few months before. And right after that, Norma got really sick, and she was dying. John called me, and he was crying. He said, Chris, I need you to come up here right now. I said, you bet, John, on my way. I left my dinner, and I walked into his the room where she was at the village, Baptist village, and, and John is crying. He said, Chris, I don't understand why she's saying this. She keeps saying there's nothing left to be done, and he's crying, and he's been there all day, and he's never left her side, her side and, and they've been married 70 years. And I said, and I saw him praying, God, what do I say to him? In my, my heart, in my mind, I'm trying to be pastoral, you know, like, oh, I got this, but I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to say. And Norma, I didn't know if she was with us, and she, was, she kept saying, there's nothing left to be done. And I said, John, maybe she's saying right now that she's ready to go be with the Lord. Maybe that's what she's telling you. And, and all of a sudden, Norma, I'm standing right next to her bed, and she goes, that's right, preacher. And we both go, okay. <laughs> See, John, that's what she's saying. And uh, thanks, Lord. <laughs> you got that right. And... Um, and I go, and, and, and then all of a sudden, Norma goes, thank you. And at first, I think she's talking to me. And then she says it again. She goes, thank you, John. So then I got out of the way, and John goes to her side, held her hand, hold, hold, held her hand. She goes, thank you, John. She said, it's been a good life. We've had a good life. Thank you, John. And I'm standing there, and I'm bawling. I mean, I'm like, 
I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be here. I mean, this is one of those moments that I'm like, okay, I can't leave, but I, I shouldn't be here because this is such an intimate moment of a couple that had been, there, been married for 70 years. She goes, we've had a good life together. Thank you. I thought to myself, you know what? <laughs> They've adapted to change. They spent a lifetime choosing one another. They've been 70 years forgiving one another. That's a covenant. I left that place, went out straight home and said, golly, Robin, I want to do that. I just, you know, as a pastor, you come and you're supposed to teach people, but then you learn some of the most valuable lessons from the people that God, is, God uses to teach you. Folks, marriage is a covenant. Let's hover over this. Maybe you're here and, and, and you're like, you know, um, our marriage is, we're about to end. We're done. Don't stop. Don't give up. Maybe you need to come and pray. Folks, look, um, don't, don't have this idea of, man, I don't want to go down and pray because they may think we're having a marriage problem. Everybody has marriage problems. Everybody has stuff to work through. Welcome to humanity. Let's embrace that. Let's not, so what? Maybe you need to grab a senior adult couple that's around here and say, would you go pray with me? Would you meet with me? Maybe you're one of those that are broken, that, are, that you know that, Lord, will I ever love again? Come get on your knees and ask the Lord to, let's pray together. Let's pray for one another. Can I tell you, the Lord wants us to set the example. We've got to keep his word. We've got to embrace the covenant. You know, the, I love the love our bridegroom has shown us. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love for us. That even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. Can I tell you that, that the foundation of a marriage is recognizing your need for forgiveness? Do you know Jesus? Have you been forgiven? Or, or, because can I tell you, you, you can't have the marriage you need to have, you can have without Christ. Come to Jesus right now. I'm going to ask you to stand where you are.